0: <laughs> dun, da, da, ding, dun, 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 dun. All Plotted Out is here once again, hello hello and welcome back to All Plotted Out, a My Little Pony Friendship is Magic podcast where we're working our way through the later seasons episode by episode. Because you know, I think they deserve it. Today we're covering the between seasons but firmly seasonal special, The Best Gift Ever, and the shorts that followed. I suppose it's better than the socks that followed, eh? (laughs) Nothing says Christmas like a pair of socks. It is really more a part of season eight than season nine. I think it was probably part of the same production run. It aired just two weeks after School Race parts one and two were. Look, season eight, you, you got the Young Six, you got Autumn Blaze, and you got... Uh, Christmas twice. What what do you ponies want, eh? What do you want? So yeah, My Little Pony, Best Gift Ever, was originally aired October the 27th, 2018, and was written by Michael Vogel. If you've been listening to the show, this is by now a familiar name. He co-wrote My Little Pony, the movie, the opening two-parter to season eight, School Days, and contributed a couple of popular episodes to that season. The Mean Six, and particular favourite of mine, What Lies Beneath? You'll have to excuse me if there's any background noise here. I've got to have my window open, because it is in fact not the dead of winter. However, if you are listening in the Southern Hemisphere, this warm weather is probably entirely appropriate to a Festivus-themed episode. The episode gets a solid 7.9 IMDb aggregate score, where the synopsis reads, In this one-hour Christmas-themed special, the main six and Spike are each hoping to find the best gift ever for hearthswarming. Makes it sound a little blander than it actually is. And it's not Christmas, it's hearthswarming. Don't impose your Christian-centricity on me, IMDb synopsis writer. I'll be writing a review in the strongest possible terms. So yeah, it is the most deliberate, demarcated, and elongated hearthswarming special the show ever did. There are quite a few hearthswarming episodes, as I've mentioned before. In fact, only a few episodes back, we had the rather terrific hearthswarming club, which was one of the best showcases for the young six, and is just a great Christmas-themed episode. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's, it's Christmas coded, should we say. Uh, which is interesting, really, because there are quite a lot of Jewish folk on the voice cast and in the production crew. Perhaps it would have been cool to just see one of the characters like light- lighting a menorah or something. A main Nora. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No cold open here. No regular title sequence, we just have a title card, and then it's straight into the first of two songs. It's okay. It just sets the stall, and allows for some colourful choreography. There's not a huge amount to explain in terms of the plot here, but they do do a fair bit with the basic premise. If we're going to run with the Christmas analogy, it is implied to be the 23rd of December which means they all left what basically a day and a half to do all their christmas shopping or maybe they're actually ahead of the game because it's one of those things i feel where people have said oh no don't go into town on christmas eve it'll be packed and everything will be sold out and that's run like a an ancient proverb in people's heads for years and uh On the odd occasions, I have actually had to go into town uh, to pick up a few bits on Christmas Eve. It's been pretty dead by comparison. But in general, I work by the adage, why put off till tomorrow what you can do today? But then again, I have fair anxiety issues. Lots of cameos in this episode. Some speaking, some not. Would have been lovely to have a speaking bit for Trixie and Starlight. But it is nice to see them at the end, toasting each other in Trixie's wagon. So have Rose Luck and Time Turner there, always be concerned when the Doctor shows up at Christmas. The simplicity of the concept uh, is really what makes this episode work. Because it allows it to focus more on character interactions and the ultimate lessons learned. All of them basically have the same goal. Getting someone a secret Santa or a hearth-swarming helper present. bit McDonald's, that, isn't it? But each has something to learn from the experience. Each message pathway is bound up with two or more characters. You have the unusual but pretty entertaining combination of Rainbow Dash and the Discord... Expressing the importance of intuition, of perhaps digging a bit deeper than what somebody says they might want for Christmas. And also, the classic, the old chestnut roasting on an open fire, no one should be alone on hearth's warming. It is interesting, this storyline, because uh, both characters are sort of comfortably written here. I mean, that's something you can actually say for all of the main characters in this, is the character writing is really, really solid in this one. But at the same time, it plays up aspects of these characters that are sometimes a bit hidden. Yes, Rainbow Dash is impatient. It seems to rest on a very early gift idea and crosses it off the list. But when, perhaps appropriately, triggered by Discord... She does ultimately acknowledge that what she was originally looking at might not be appropriate for possibly her best friend. Though that said, the present she does get is, on the surface, perfect for Fluttershy. Why wouldn't Fluttershy like candles? They're they're relaxing, they're decorative, they're, they're a gentle source of natural illumination. But then comes in Discord, who, for all his ceaseless manipulation is devoted to Fluttershy, and does by this point probably know Fluttershy better than any other character in the show. And he points out that the candle cannot be appropriate because it conflicts with something else in Fluttershy's life. And yeah, there's a nice subversion where it seems that Discord is just taking pleasure, spectating, in Rainbow Dash's attempts going badly, badly wrong, but it actually turns out that this is part of the master plan. The Winterchilla slash Winterzilla itself is not the gift. But what it brings out in Fluttershy and enables in her is Discord's direction ultimately leads to a situation that only Fluttershy can defuse. It was actually kind of nice to be the pony who saved the day for once. Oh, really? And in isolation it is great. Although, they perhaps didn't pick the best moment, because she has actually saved the day a few times lately. They would probably have literally died in hell, if it weren't for her, just the previous episode. And the Kirin village would probably still be entirely mute, if not for her skills and insight. Perhaps the hero wasn't quite as clear-cut in those situations but i'm splitting hairs this is a great little subplot with just entertaining banter between a cunning trickster and basically an entertainingly stroppy teen she's fluttershy everything makes her worry now you sound like some pony who knows her well if you're such an expert on fluttershy what did you get her and you honestly expect me to tell you what I got Fluttershy so that you can one up me? Well, I have half a mind to stop helping you entirely. Good! Ah, Twilight. Twilight. We have subplot two, with Twilight freaking out, trying to get everything decorated and all the gifts in and everything prepared before her brother and her sister in law and the little biddy widdy baby are arriving from the Crystal Empire. Uh, which sounds a lot similar to A Flurry of Emotions. And I not only forgive the repetition, I laud it, because it actually does my memories of that season 7 episode some favours by confusing it with this one. But anyway, Flurry Heart is once again a malignant nuisance. Twilight has got herself into a state, which Applejack seems to dryly comment is actually an annual occurrence. And due to the interference of the supernatural spoilt sprog, a giant smooth like monster begins to consume the castle and the ponies within. This ties in with the Pinkie Pie story, where she goes basically to the North Pole and meets three reindeer who represent the gifts of Christmas past, present and future. I mean, not a huge amount is done with that, to be fair, but there's not... ...a lot of space amidst all these subplots. Uh, they're called Aurora, Bori and Alice. Which is, you know... I, I have a fondness for a mid-level pun. Turns out that Pinkie Pie's gift doesn't make sense... ...until she is confronted with Twilight's pudding beast monster at the end. You know, there's nothing explicitly wrong with these subplots... They're probably the least effective of them. But I do like how they at least meet at the end. There is a nice message with Twilight that actually spending quality time uh, is more important than making sure that everything's perfect. And while Pinkies, doesn't I recall, have a specific message? Well, if it's Pinky. Does it need to? Uh, it does, uh, as I implied, nicely not in with Twilight. So, yeah, it, at least it sort of has a purpose. An abstract one. (laughs) Also has a cool detour to Yak-Yakistan as well. I do love the fact that Pinky in particular has cultivated this relationship with them and she is honorary Pink Pony. We have Spike and Rarity's subplots, which do feed into each other at the end and do provide a very nice song. Deliberately amping up uh, Spike's crush on Rarity, it seems this is a useful little asset that you can turn on when Spike needs to do something stupid for somebody else. It works. I mean, you know, I I guess because it's used less and less, I just assume that the crush has subsided, but eh, there's nothing really wrong with turning it back on from time to time. But blimey, I mean, you know, eight years, Spike. I think, I think you should get the picture, dude. Spike's trying to... Work out who actually has rarity So he can swap with them Actually makes for some of the funniest stuff in the episode (laughs) Him trying to come in all coy and sly with his inquiry If you can figure out who has the pony you want And they're okay with trading I guess it's fine Great! So, uh, who do you? I don't have rarity Oh, he's so charmingly naive But he's fundamentally honest And sensitive So he quickly comes to the conclusion that a homemade gift is the answer, because rarity is pony who appreciates effort and individuality. Again, like with Discord, this is illustrating that Spike does know rarity beyond the surface. Just like when the series first started, it would be easy to assume that rarity is all about superficiality and shiny things and looking pretty. But as we quickly learnt, there's more to it than this. She wants to bring out the best in people, and she will go to the end of endurance to ensure that she does this. I can't believe you've done this. Always nice to hear Spike singing too. Proving me a liar in a recent episode, I do believe that Kathy Weslock does provide the singing voice for Spike. She does a really good job too. It's horse, <laughs> forgive the pun, but also sensitive, perfectly spike. And I do like the fact that the homemade gift is, you know, it's a little bit rough around the edges, but it's obvious that he's put a lot of effort into it. And it's not just childish naffness for its own sake. There's a nice balance there. And yeah, a little bit of artistic license where he starts playing this self-made three-stone guitar, a la C6 Steve, and produces a, a rather lovely sound with it. But maybe that's the point. Never judge a book by its cover. Never judge a guitar by the fact it's based on the flying V. It's a nice bit of heart at the end. And speaking of heart, I think Rarities is probably the most touching storyline in the episode. (gasps) Speaking role for Derpy, slash Ditsy, slash Mailmare, slash Muffins... Slash pony and non grata <gasps> And uh, is it really better that she's now a basically a, a ditzy, computer-says-no airhead? Um, as opposed to the, the kind of lovable klutz she was. Pre-censorship. The hay code. <laughs> <laughs> Have I made that joke before? Anyway, the, H- the Hayes code. L- look it up. But anyway, it's a, a cute scene <laughs> with Rarity trying and failing to maintain her patience with the rather clueless male mare. The male mare, who I didn't realise this, is interestingly enough also voiced by Tabitha Saint Germain. So she is talking to herself. If they'd brought Flurry Heart into the scene, it would have been a three-way monologue. Shame we don't get a chrysalis cameo. But yes, a post room mix up ultimately ends up with Rarity's gift to Applejack being sent to a farm in the middle of nowhere, where she meets a traditional but loving couple of parents and their son Pistachio, who, contrary to expectations, is mad about fashion. He completely fanfolds over Rarity and shows an appreciation for the craft of the Stetson that Rarity has made for Applejack, more so than its intended recipient probably would have done herself, and while Pistachio offers to give it back to her because he realises it probably wasn't intended for him. She has to be true to herself and her instincts, and she knows full well that this hat will mean more to this little foal than it ever could to AJ. I love this little bit. Not only is it rarity at her best, while well, still showing some of her spiky edges, especially in the confrontation with Derpy slash Ditsy slash Mailmare slash Muffin slash Pony son Non Grata. By the way, she's listed in the credits as muffins. But I don't get. It's also just a nice little background message that I feel may have been put in for the parents watching the show. Now, the folks don't understand where Pistachio's fashion passion has come from. They're obviously not really tuned into the same appreciation as he is, but they are supportive. They don't know, but it's just him being him. You can read all sorts into that, just like the catalogue for Bassett Sweets. <laughs> Boo! And last but very much not least, We have once more teaming up after their tour de force, well, tour de Kirin village, AJ and Fluttershy once more facing the commercial greed of the Flim Flam brothers. Well, it's not the best storyline in the episode, and it's certainly not the first time an animated show has done a pop at consumerism, big vibes of Lionheart Lisa and Malibu Stacy Plus with this, only in far broader strokes, which is to be expected. Wait! Don't be fooled. She's just a regular Malibu Stacy with a stupid, cheap hat. She still embodies all the awful stereotypes she did before. But she's got a new hat. <laughs> and yeah, one might point out the irony that they are talking about the perils of mass marketing uh, while producing basically a toy advert. Brilliant toy advert. But that's the sort of underpinning here. But it is nice that they kind of managed to sneak the don't-buy-mass-produced toys in a sort of one-size-fits-all thing for kids at Christmas. Think about what they would actually like. It's Twilight Sparkle's balloon! Anyway. Now, the reason I picked this last is because, like a few more recent episodes, Applejack's characterisation is taking a real step up. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but it feels like there's a concerted effort at the moment to bring back a bit more assertiveness and cunning to to Applejack's character. She is the proactive one in this episode, right from the outset. Not just in her and Fluttershy's side plot. But at the beginning, when she sees that Twilight is freaking out, she is the one that de-escalates the situation. And she is also the one that suggests the uh, heartwarming helper concept. She's forthright, dry-witted, but quick-witted. And where she can often be written as conservative to a fault. Small c. And writers will often really play up the perceived traditionalism of Applejack. Here we see the, the, the other side of this. Well, it's less the other side of it than the other element that informs this. Which is pragmatism and worldly wisdom. Applejack is a business pony, so she knows business ponies. She can smell Flim and Flam's ploy before they unveil themselves as Flim and Flam. And to be fair, voice aside, they're not bad disguises. Although you don't have to listen for very long to see who it is. Well, we get Flim Flam, but where's the Glim Glam? You know what I mean? Stray observations little hint in the opening song that Marble Pie is crushing hard on Big Mac. She looks utterly forlorn when she sees him kissing Thingy Mc... From the other episode. You know, her love the individual winter looks for each of the main characters here. I mean, yeah, Rarity certainly has put the effort in. But it might be a bit OTT with this sort of thoroughly fluffy Russian steps slash Jar, Jar Gabor, slash Miss Bianca from the Rescuers kind of look. It's a bit much. It's a bit aloof. And the hat's a bit of floof. So I'm, I think it might be either Fluttershy or Applejack who wins this fashion show. Because I love that kind of charcoal, dark teal Parker that AJ's got going on. It looks really cool with her hat and her coloration. And it's it's no nonsense. Ah, yes, the pudding meme. Who'd have thought giving Twilight a wacky expression would end up in a GIF? I have special eyes. Look. Look with your special eyes. My brand! Yep. Nice little planes, trains and automobiles reference in the back of the train carriage where Applejack and Fluttershy are with two ponies representing the, the two main characters played respectively by Steve Martin and John Candy in that John Hughes film. Not for the foals, that one. Must be said, but this is not an obtrusive reference, unlike some others this season that we could mention. Speaking of cultural references, who the hey is Scorpan? Discord drops the name quite deliberately, and I wasn't exactly sure who that was. Was it a reference to some other media? But no. Scorpan is the younger brother of T-Rex, briefly referenced in Twilight Kingdom, but more heavily alluded to in the comics apparently, so okay, cool. Oh, so Bright Mac, Applejack's father, gave her that hat. I wasn't sure if this had been established before, and once more I did a bit of digging Thanks to the handy-dandy, but uh, slow-loading My Little Pony Friendship is Magic fandom site. And it seems that a couple of other origins have been specified through the course of the show. I'm not really going to mention the one done in a sort of fake interview outside the show for the hub back in the day. (laughs) I wanted bobbing for apples at the Ponyville Fair. But, um... Her present Stetson is actually one that Rarity bought for her in Manhattan. Does any of this matter? No. Now jumping ahead to the shorts, I'm going to go on in a bit. She she calls the hat Tallulah as well. Is this is this something that's been established? Nothing wrong with it. It's just okay. And in what limited time they have for these characters, it, it kind of seems like they're trying to give Cadence more of a a proactive role here, trying to establish. Her and Shining Armor as a kind of tag team when they're fighting the cookie monster at the end. Because one of the criticisms of Cadence, especially in the earlier seasons, was that she was a pretty passive character. Which you don't really want from a princess unless you're being used as a puppet by somebody else. Just be honest with them. I'm sure they'll understand where you're coming from. So, yeah. It's really good, this. It uses a simple idea to fire off in a bunch of different directions and allow for character growth, reflection, and a mostly kind of organic reiteration of some classic festive messages. It's the thought that counts. Quality time is more important than a quality gift. No one should be alone at this time of year. And yes, friendship is the best gift ever it's really nicely wrapped up certainly not as rushed as the closing stretch of the the season eight finale felt and i've perhaps underplayed this so far it's really funny too there's some really great snappy laugh out loud dialogue i really appreciate dry applejack as well i haven't got time for this applejack pinky has some really funny dialogue Party? And yeah, it's just got a nice balance of silly fun, character beats, and a bit of heart. But the question is this: Does my previous assertion that the Hearthswarming Club is the best Hearthswarming episode in the show's run still stand? And the answer is, I'm not sure, <laughs> because this also will get a nine. <laughs> It's not over yet. Yeah, actually, closer to Christmas, we were treated on December the 11th, 2018, to three shorts. Each less than three minutes in duration, that basically involve the main six doing Christmassy stuff. Except one that kind of doesn't. The episodes were, for some reason, withdrawn, and then posted again on the 23rd of December... Can't really remember the reason for that. Not really interested enough to look any further into it, to be frank. But the first two were both written by Kim Bayer-Johnson. Now, she had previously written non-compete clause, and she will go on to do far more in season nine. Her first is called Triple Pony Dare and basically entails Applejack and Rainbow Dash daring each other. She likes this rivalry motif, doesn't she? It's fast-paced, it's fun enough, Applejack gives her hat a name, and uh, really the most memorable thing I can say about this is that um, Pinkie Pie is the only one who was changed from the special, because while this probably takes place around the same time as the start of that episode, uh, Pinkie has this time and space bending gift, doesn't she? It's the best time and space bending gift Ever. Or something. I don't know. I've not got anything to say about this. It's fine. It's fine. Right, the next one. (laughs) The Great Escape Room. So we're doing an escape room again. Short does actually mention the fact that they had previously been in escape room. In the season 7 episode, all bottled up. Which is great. Basically, this is Pinky being Pinky. Lots of wacky business. But I do like the (laughs) very Pinky-esque twist that she has managed to erase her own memory of where the key is, what the answers are, and what happens when the time runs out. (laughs) So there's this kind of slightly ominous cliffhanger, which she seems to be excited about, but everyone else is kind of perturbed by. And it turns out to be this gummy-based thing which is quite funny this short does start with a eyes in the dark thing which they very occasionally do it's a classic animated tv trope particularly for shows that you used to have to save money on hand-drawn animation so i've mentioned it before the low-budget uk cosgrove hall show danger mouse used to use the uh the eyes in the dark motif quite a bit because well 40 quid only goes so far. He's the greatest. He's fantastic. Whatever there is danger, there. What I do love about the occasions they do it in this show is that it shows how easy the characters are to recognise by not only the appearance of their eyes. I mean, as I've implied before, a lot of the expressiveness of this show is in the eyes. Yes, and finally... We have The Mystery Voice, written by newcomer and uh, one-time contributor, Kate Leff. Isn't that a Klingon weapon? Uh, Sorry, Kate. But yeah, this is probably my favourite of the three, even though it has a very tenuous Christmas connection. Um, It's just got a cool novelty of the main six in kind of teacher mode being irritated by these continued announcements through the Tannoy system in various different voices. I mean, it doesn't entirely make sense as a plot, this. It's not the fact that they don't know who is doing the announcements that is the irritation. It's the fact that they're so frequent that causes Rainbow Rarity and Fluttershy to actually burst through into the, the office where the Tannoy system is. And it turns out that these were all necessary announcements. So uh, it's not not really much of a plot, but this is two minutes and 40 seconds long. So it doesn't really matter much. And do you know what? It's funny having Rarity being constantly (laughs) interrupted by annoying and weird announcements, including someone doing the fake echo tail off from one of them. One of them. One of them. And yes, it turns out, completely arbitrarily, that it's Applejack doing these voices. How very honest. (laughs) Uh, She's not hurting anyone, really. It's just a bit odd. (laughs) And so, yeah, they get her to narrate the heartwarming story at the end. And these these other voices do give a chance for some of the other voice actors to uh, experiment a bit. It's not always clear who, who is doing these voices, but I do think the one with the Yvidaphone practice is quite clearly Kathy Westlock, who does Spike. One more thing. Urban Yvidaphone practice is postponed till after holiday break. Tough for now. But yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, I'm not going to score any of these because I mean, look, they're two minutes and 40 seconds each and they're fun and they're just as well animated and well presented and well voice acted as the show regularly is, it's just a little bonus. It's like some, some cherries on top of the hearth's warming trifle, which interestingly enough is kind of what these are. But I do think the mystery voice edges it. It's the one that sticks out in my memory. It does actually have some some lovely backdrops, too, the way they've made out the school halls in a, in a festive style with all of the decorations and things. They've put quite a lot into this very, very brief. Side trip. So Kate Copla Copla Sorry. It's all very well my saying sorry, but I still did it again anyway. Today is a good day to twy. Got any problems, troubles, conundrums, or any other sort of issues, major or minor that I as a good friend could help you solve? So that's Christmas out the way in uh, July. Now it's time for the last leg the final stretch, the ultimate thing. Or is it? Because as it turns out, the between seasons hijinks are not over yet. Now I hope you enjoyed Triple Pony Dare Ya, the great escape room and the mystery voice because in the immortal words of Bart Simpson, Eat my shorts. Five of them, to be precise, that were aired at the beginning of twenty nineteen. So in the next episode I'll be covering these five little pony nuggets, these fun size filly vignettes. And of course, the beginning of the end, parts one and two. Now if you want to get in touch, you can email me or put it out at outlook.com. That's all lowercase, all one word. All plotted out at outlook.com or get in touch on Twitter at allplottedout. But until next time, thank you so much for joining me again. Stay safe. Stay well. Stay tolerant. And if you're listening to this on the 30th of July, have a smashing international day of friendship. ta Maybe the later books are slightly more realistic than I gave them credit for.